What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Ancient Wisdom, your weekly Pokemon podcast. Uh, my name is Corey Roush. With me, as always, is DJ Keener. DJ, how are you today? Hey, Corey. Doing pretty good. What's up, guys? Another fun week of Pokemon. We had the set come out technically yesterday. I mean, I think it doesn't officially hit retail stores until Friday, but we have Silver Tempest now. A um, little bit of news to get to. We got a tournament this weekend. Not us, but the world at large. So, uh, pretty fun time to be a Pokemon fan. Anything obscure or us specifically want to get into before getting into the news of the week yeah nothing crazy really this time um you know just getting in touch with silver tempest learning a lot and having a good time yeah locals was well a short experience for you this week but yeah yeah i got crapped on by Corey and uh really could not bear to live with the the burden of that so had to hit what? the o- o- one drop <laughs> honestly um, i get it <laughs> Just, I guess I'll, I'll be real for a second here. Something I learned a long time ago was to uh, not force yourself to play cards when you don't want to. I was not feeling it at all last night. Didn't put myself through, forcing through it. And uh, a strong recommendation for everyone to not play games of Pokemon that you don't want to play. It will make you have a lot less fun. Yeah, and at the end of the day, this is supposed to be fun. I know we take it pretty seriously as someone who is looking at this competitively. But it's supposed to be a fun hobby. Don't make it something that it isn't. So even from like the... The first time I, because like I obviously at different points in my life have been a, a grind lord and, and am not now, you know, I, I still take it very seriously, but like I'm not at all a, a heavy grinder. And uh, one of the like most accomplished magic players in the world made a really great point that was like, even if you want to be the best player in the room all the time and, you know, want to put your absolute all into it, if you're playing games, in his case of magic, but it, it applies to every card game or whatever competitive endeavor, if you're doing it and you hate doing it, you're not helping yourself. You're building bad habits. You're getting inaccurate, like testing results because you're framing things poorly mentally. Like just, just don't do it. You're not helping yourself. You're not helping the people you're playing against. You're making everyone else have less fun and you're putting yourself through a shitty time just for, you know, because you perceive it as work. So don't. So, what you, so the prime example is yesterday after one game, you said Lugia is terrible. I'm selling it or I'm not buying it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly. Perfect, that, that, that epitomized exactly what you're talking exactly. about. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was, just, I was not in a good spot. I was not having a good time. I mean, I, I will say that I, I learned a lot that I don't like about Lugia. That was obviously an overreaction, but uh, you know, that's, that's what'll happen. So you, you need to keep that in mind and be cognizant of that for sure. Yeah. So we were both lucky enough to actually have Lugia for opening day. Uh, my box was busted when I opened a box and, and DJ's mom owns a store. So we were able to kind of, clear the gap at the end there to, so that we were both able to at least leave it up day one my experience was a lot more positive than dj's uh i went three and three and one and then the person i lost to we played a game afterwards and i, I won that uh and the like so i lost against palkia was my only loss on the day and that was solely because uh well he started i started with a draw pass he went path and uh, i had to discard both crobat to get out of it and something out an unfair number of energies before I was even able to really prize check. And by the, because I was doing it off of Serena, by the time I prize checked, I realized I had prized uh, three energies, including two double turbos. So uh, it was just an ugly game. Uh, I, I do think that that's, that's something against my opponent. I think he played well, but it was just like a, you can see when this deck clunks, it clunks, but there's just some, like the, the number of games where you're like, Oh, well, the first time I use the Archeops, uh, I'm setting up to just one shot whatever's in the active. The next turn, I'm just setting up two more attackers for the rest of the game, and good luck because you're in kind of a checkmate situation. So it's yeah. one of those things that if you get out of turn two, you're probably golden. Yeah, I think what I learned from like the little bit of playing that I actually was like, if if you're playing Lugia and your deck works, 
Like you are winning most of the time. Um, the thing that I didn't like about Lugia pre-building it is uh, definitely still something that I dislike about Lugia after having it built. You just have so many cards that do not do anything in your deck. And you don't have a lot of card draw. And you really can't play a lot of card draw because you can't turbo through your deck or you won't have enough energies to get off your Archaeopsis. And, like, that's what makes the deck good. So you need to have the energy still in your deck. So, like, you know, even, like, uh, if you draw a hand with, like, four energies, not uncommon when you're playing, you know, 16, 17, even more energies depending on your list. It's like, can you even research that hand away? And that's, like... But they're not doing you any good in your hand either. You can't get them a hard job. So, <laughs> no, but, it, it's know, weird. So there's some some work to be done for sure. Um, but I mean, what the deck does is stone broken. So like, you know, you take the good with the bad, obviously. But uh, definitely the the issues I had with the deck are still the issues that I have with the deck. But it's definitely powerful enough that like there's some uh, element of mustering through it. Yeah, I, I think that it was it was definitely. It, it even if I don't think my list is far from perfect, I think that we can definitely say that after you know taking a Japanese list and kind of tweaking it a little bit that it, we're far yeah. from perfect because even that was their first weeks too, right? It's not like it's not like it used to be when we were ta- like bringing in a Japanese format. They got that they got that set two weeks before we did. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got some lists from a couple weeks from them, and I, I've noticed like uh, there's some pretty like consistently included cards at this point, right? Some pretty almost standardized things, but you also can just kind of do whatever you want. At the end of the day, your your combo is assembling guys that are just shitting energies into play. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of whatever your imagination can come up with, and then you have to work around the constraints of playing a pile of energies and a pile of crappy evolutions that do nothing in your hand, but... It uh it the payoff is certainly insane and there's a lot of room to experiment since the world is your oyster as far as uh attackers go. Yeah, I, I'm I'm interested. We're gonna do more of a deep dive next week on Lugia because yeah, just by the nature of to, to both really get into it, but also we've got an event this week and yeah. uh, it's it's really the end of the Lost Origin format. So I think we should definitely talk about that and uh kind of our thoughts on how the last couple months I guess have gone since the set came out. Yeah, I think that I think I think Lost Origin was amazing for the format. I don't. You and I are pretty walk and step on this, and that we don't necessarily think that a, a format has to have like eleven decks or seven decks or whatever to be good. Like I'm fine with one deck formats or three deck formats or whatever. But it was a nice breath of fresh air because everything in Lost Origin felt so different, right? Yeah. I, like yeah. the it, it was just an engine that was so dissimilar to what we had before, and I think that's what it is, right? It's I think that. With Arceus, even though like you could play any attackers, it was quickly realized that for the most part, more often than not, Inteleon was going to be in there, right? So the Inteleon engine has been omnipresent for the last year. If you weren't playing Inteleon, you were probably playing Mew. If you weren't playing one of those, like you're probably not signing up. So it was nice to get a, another option, and that's actually kind of what I like about Lugia as well, is that it's just more options actually like for engines. I don't necessarily need there to be a bunch of decks, but I like the creative choices that you're able to make, and I think yeah. Lost Origin really brought, brought a lot of that. Like, you saw Argudra, you saw Giratina, you saw Lost Box, and there's so many different, like, you can play Mirage Gate or you can not play Mirage Gate, and there's just, like, those, like, little build-around cards that I think did a lot to kind of liven things up was was a nice welcome change. Yeah, I think it's it feels a little bit funny because a lot of people would feel like there weren't a ton of different decks that came out of Lost Origin. I mean, it was obviously an impactful set, don't get me wrong, but like 
there were so many you just say a lost box that shortchanges how many different <laughs> yes. things you can do with you know a comfy Cramorant, Sableye, whatever engine. You know, I mean, some of the decks didn't really pan out, but like, there was a point at the beginning of the format where people were playing like quad Cramorant, Articuno decks with zero energy cards, like, which eventually transformed into the the modern like Sablezard decks. But um, still, like, you you could do that. You know, you can play Mirage Gate for whatever attackers you want. You know, we've seen amazing Raikou decks show up, which we're going to see amazing Raikou a lot more now, which is awesome. And it, you could do, you know whatever stuff with it you know the the energies i mean mirage gate does basically what archaeops does so if we're talking about just putting energies into play to attack with random insane cards like you could do that with mirage gate and uh it didn't work out at the top end exactly but you you know you can see that engine show up in decks and just make a ton of different things playable and i i do think it was a, a huge home run of a set um and that's not even including like the the Zoroark deck. Like that's a deck that people like to play that still does, you know, something at this point. That got cards, you know. Kyurum. Um Kyurum, yep, exactly. That one of the two most popular decks for the entirety of the Lost Origin out of game. Um you know, it's it actually did a lot. And I mean, we saw Mew win events this format, but like it also gave us Drapion. So how can you complain about that, right? Uh honestly, I do think it was a, a really good set. I think that my main concern with it as far as like what happens now we're not going to get more lost zone cards so it is i think it is but is the engine good enough that it's going to continue to hold weight for the entire time it's in standard or is it going to be one of those things where like a set or two from now it's like why why what did we care about this stuff uh what do you think about that so I think some version of it will. Whether or not it's the same thing we have right now, I'm not sure. But, like, just a card like Comfy is is, is so similar to, like, cards that we've seen see so much success in the past, whether it be, like, a Jirachi. And I know it's not five, it's only two cards. But you just speeding through your deck and being able to, like, that optionality mm-hmm. is always going to be good. And if you're doing that at that point, you might as well, like, unless you have, like, a definitive early game attacker, Cramorant's typically too good to pass up, right? Because it chips damage, it does all that. Will we necessarily continue to see like something with Sableye? I, I think that card's broken, so probably, but you never know, right? I mean, like there might be... I think that there, we're open to very interesting ideas. We have no idea what to expect with EXs coming back, but if they are some sort of like... Say they make them very good, like especially because like... We don't know the typing yet of the two like cover Pokemon from Scarlet and Violet, but in theory they're at least some sort of dragon because the pre what looks like the pre evolved form is a dragon. If right. they have any sort of dragon type level attack cost, Mirage Gate's probably a card that you could consider. Right. So right. I, I like I think there's a lot of room and I think that like that's what I keep saying about whether it be Arceus with basic energies, Mirage Gate with basic energies, or Lugia with special energies. There's so much room for like accelerating weird energy attack costs, and I don't think that that aspect of what makes Lost Box good, as, as well as the digging through, just plowing through your deck, like the Chorus card is already seen yeah. in non-Lost Box decks. So that was going to be my comment. I mean, Chorus is going to be good, right? That's just yes. functionally, that's very close to draw five. Um, probably closer to draw four, I guess, but you know, you're picking three out of the top five cards. That's, that's really, really good. Um, and the lost zoning is going to be negligible most of the time, uh-huh. right? Cause you're picking which cards you put there. Comfy. I mean, people were willing to evolve a Pokemon to play Pidgeotto, which does what comfy did outside of, you know, again, you lost some of the cards. 
you know, we covered chorus being good already. Um, Graham Rent's obviously not going to stop being good. Like maybe, maybe Giratina stops being good. I, I'm not certain that will depend on, you know, what it looks like we're trying to attack into going forward. But like the engine itself is definitely going to stay powerful. And it is a shame that we're not going to get to add anything else to the engine, but kind of like you were alluding to, like you, you can Mirage get onto whatever. So we can certainly find a, a way to power up whatever deck using it, which is going to be really cool. Um, and it, depending on what happens at rotation, we don't know what cards we're going to have then, but like it's possible that a simplified format, which still includes the Lost Zone cards, will favor the Lost Zone engine too. So, you know, I'm, I'm worried about like a year down the line, but four months down the line, it might actually just be insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, we'll, we'll see. But I think the set overall was a huge success. I think the Lost Zone was a huge success. And I think that, uh, you know, it's going to see play at least as an engine for a long time still. Yeah, and I think, and this is podcast planning on the fly for like three months from now, but I think that as, as things go on, like we'll probably like look back at where we were in terms of like, bringing the sun down on a, on a, on a format or the, like on like a set in general, like looking back at where like the cards we were predicting were going to be good and see if we were right, wrong or indifferent. But I think that even if like I was high on this set because I thought it was going to be impactful and it was more impactful than I thought. I didn't think Kyurum was going to be like, I, like some of the things we've already caught shouted out. I didn't mm-hmm. like, I didn't see this for Kyurum. I did not see this for Gudra, even though like I like playing Gudra. I underestimated Sableye. Like that card was clearly broken and I underestimated how easy it was going to be to just get 10 in e- immediately. Mm-hmm. I just like, I, I think that it generally changed things. And maybe it's because I thought that the world format was so boring whenever you have like, three of the arc tina or the arc pikachus in, in top top cut and it's just like well this is that's not well, what this I was a, a serious improvement and it's funny that we say that like we we don't mind playing single deck formats and then we're like oh man the variety is that it made it a much better format um i think it's because but, we didn't like that format specifically well it, it's because if you look at that format uh playing arc intel was like watching paint dry uh arc pika pretty similar to watching paint dry so you're left with Palkia, and that's it. Which is actually an awesome deck. So like, you know, maybe the complaint shit was really that we weren't playing enough Palkia. Um, I mean, and you know, I, I think that the aftermath of Worlds is when DT Emu picked up, mm-hmm. um, and. I do wonder if that was an underexplored deck going like we're never gonna nobody cares enough nobody likes that format enough to go like play that as a retro format and see if DTMU was actually like a a high tier deck but I mean that deck is playing essentially zero new cards right now through Drapion and it's still possibly the best deck in the format Um, it's certainly top five Uh so like (laughs) uh, it is funny that we definitely as a whole district I remember uh, in the open when uh, Pran posted his DTMU list. He was like, oh, playing the meme inside events. And then that ended up being the best version of Mew for the next couple months. So probably a miss there. But anyways, that format just felt really bland. And all of these cards are much more fun to play with, much more exciting format. Um, it just all around just a huge hit. And that's not even taking into account, like you said, I'm thinking mostly Lost Zone Engine, but Gudra just as a Pokemon is sick. That That's going to be a card that might see play if Regidrago ever takes off. The Zoroark deck, while kind of tier two and rogue, cool deck. Glad that you're able to play just like a attack for a bunch style deck without doing anything cute. Um, yeah, overall, just really, really thrilled with the way Lost Origin worked out. 
Um, haven't seen enough wins really from the Lost Zone archetype yet, so I, I do hope that it hasn't already seen its its peak when Tord won that event. Yeah, and I, I just need to acknowledge that I appreciate that even by accident I've been disrespecting the Zoroark deck by just continuously forgetting to even acknowledge that as one of the surprise cards because it was, but I just... <laughs> that, that, that deck is so far in my uh, ignored zone that I'm just like, yeah, no, the other cards... It, yeah, it's it's not... Uh, we'll, we'll talk about my feelings on that deck in a little bit, but it's definitely not something that would even be on my radar for playing in uh, Warsaw, so... <laughs> Yeah, which, speaking of which, Warsaw, that's kind of why we wanted to set the, like, close out on Lost Origin, not just because it's we're, we're transitioning into our testing for Toronto and, and new decks, but also there, there's a tournament this weekend, and it is the last tournament in this this Lost Origin format. It's uh, only the second tournament that the, the, you, that the uh, European scene has got, so I'm definitely interested to see what they bring to Yeah, yeah. To things. It is such a quick turnaround between the the Lil Regional and this one that I I don't know that I expect to see too much of a change. Though it is, again, the last event of the format, so if anyone's been sitting on anything or working on something, this will be their chance to show it. So I don't know if you saw Tord's tweet today, did you? No, I missed it. Uh, well, it's not nothing inspiring. It was if it got 300 likes, he would bring the bear to Warsaw. And it got, when it, last I saw it was at like 500, so... Uh, he'll be playing Urshifu if he's telling the truth to his fans. So there is that. He also played uh, Palkia Bibarel at a regional and called it Blue Urshifu one time. So, Oh, no, he posted the list and it was Urshifu. <laughs> All right. He's, All right. he's serious that he's bringing the big blue bear. So It's not um, fair. I don't. If he wins, it just doesn't count anyway. He's absolutely top four with Urshi, right? Right. I, yeah, I assume he'll top four with Urshi. Xander will top eight with some sort of control deck that no yeah, one else in the world can play. Just, a horrendous more peco pile that is just stone unplayable and we're going to trick ourselves into losing a week or it'll be bricks or it'll be block snorlax we can talk about block snorlax more next week <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, uh, <I> <laughs> when we get maybe by then lugia will be playing switch cards i mean you one would hope because block snorlax <laughs> will have won the first like five online events but i digress um so yeah i i think that in, in order to look forward, we have to look back a little bit, right? I think that there was there, the online scene in terms of like bigger tournaments was a little bit more watered down this past week. There's only three with more than a hundred players, and um, nothing like truly stood out to me except for uh, the out of the like so out of the, the 24 top eight slots, there three of them were taken by a Sableye Gate deck that did not play Charizard but instead played Water Energy, and in addition to Greninja, played Kyurem, or not Kyurem, uh, Ice Q, Greninja, and Kyogre. I don't necessarily believe in this deck. That, I think it's interesting uh, that it, it peaked up a little bit. What are your thoughts? I was going to say, I don't know if you had seen that previously. That was really popular very early in the format. I um, had, and then it like disappeared. So it, it coming back is weird, presumably because it's not very good. <laughs> and it's just uh, one of those weird coincidences. Maybe someone's just you know, some group is just grinding with it because they feel like it could be something and they don't really, you know, a lot of people don't really need to keep grinding games with uh, Palkia or Giratina at this point. Um, but I, I don't think that's real. I think it's cool, but I, I think you're just adding a lot of variance to that that doesn't really need it when you do that. Well, you heard it here, for, here folks, first, folks. Sableye, Kyogre, winning, winning Warsaw. Interesting call. Interesting call. <laughs> no, I I don't believe it. I just meant because you said it's no. I I like it's. I thought it was cool. I think that the formats. I don't want to say solved, 
because I do think that while we know what the meta decks are, they each have enough like spaces to kind of counter each other. Um, what are like? Do you have any like hot takes or anything like that going into Warsaw, or what are your thoughts going in as like as, as the kind of like put a bow on this format? Yeah, so I uh, I decided to update our our spreadsheet. We have a, a nice spreadsheet made that's got all the the matchups outlined on it, and like our either our expected player rates, or in this case, I just pulled the player rates of all the decks from all the 50-person or bigger tournaments on uh, trainerhill.com. Shout out to them. Uh, really useful resource. So I just pulled all of the tournaments with 50 or more players from the last three-ish weeks um, and just kind of aggregated all the matchups and everything. And uh, nothing, no hot takes here. Uh, it kind of reinforced exactly what I, I would expect. I mean, it seems like the decks that have the best win rate are going to be Tina and Palkia. Um, Giratina has both substantially the highest play rate and the highest win rate. And I know we talked about this a lot last week, and uh, I'm really looking forward to starting next format so we don't have to keep complaining about how much we don't like playing Giratina. But <laughs> I do not like playing that deck. It feels very bad to play, and Palkia feels very good to play. So I, I certainly would be leaning towards playing Palkia. Uh, Palkia Intel, obviously. We've also shit on Kiram enough on here that I don't think anyone should be confused. But <laughs> if, if you've actually listened, you know where our allegiance lies on this one. Uh, we're we're not Kiram fans and we're not uh, Lost Zone Giratina fans at all. So, I mean, not should say not at all. But uh, so, I mean, that's, you know, kind of where I'm at. The shocking thing to me uh, from putting these all together outside of like a rogue deck that <laughs> it's expected win rate on, on our... Uh, spreadsheet here is just horrendous arc pikachu but outside of that surprisingly sablezard has the worst win rate uh against the field so and it's all the way down at like a 47 percent win rate and that's on the back of really polarized matchups so it's possible you hit the right field for it and have a great tournament but uh that was surprising to me because i i guess my hot take is that's on here is the worst deck out of the like 10 or 11 playable decks in the format i think that's like the fifth best deck probably. So the, the data is not matching up with my experiences, uh, but it, it is partially just because of the polarized matchups. Yeah. Um, the, the real wild card for me is that RC's Giratina is still putting up insane win rates, not a huge play rate. So the, the data could be a little bit skewed, but it has positive matchups against a lot of the format. And it's only bad, bad matchup is Mew. Uh, it's like 43% against Mew, and then it doesn't have another matchup that's below a 45% win rate. And then if you put in the Drapion, all of a sudden that matchup becomes... Probably pretty close to 50-50. Yeah, that's what I think. You know, I mean, so... you're, you're a quad path of the peak deck. You can play Drapion. I mean, like, there are reasons. I mean, you can be a quad path of the peak deck. I don't know that everyone is anymore, I guess. But there's there's reasons to play that deck. The matchups are solid. Um, you know, if you're the kind of person who likes playing decks that are 50-50 all day, like, uh, there is... Uh, some room there but at the same time like palkia also has close to zero bad matchups i'm trying to look over my sheet here does it have any really bad matchups somehow from the and this is another small sample thing i'm sure from the uh the 20 instances of blissey i don't know how many matchups it had against palkia intel palkia intel only had a 40 percent win rate against blissey um that matchup never seemed bad bad to me but that that is the only matchup that's below 45 percent for palk intel as well yeah 
you know, I just there's a lot of decks that have very good matchup spreads. I mean, I wouldn't ever consider playing something cute at this event. I, you know, I, you couldn't trick me into playing Zoroark. You couldn't trick me into playing like Art Gudra. You couldn't trick me into playing uh, Reggie's. Uh, all those decks just have some really bad matchups, and they're all bad matchups that I don't expect to be invisible enough that I'd be willing to, you know, take that risk. I appreciate um, you said you could not be tricked into playing something cute, as in the deck that won the most recent North American, or not the most, yeah, like like a deck that's won a regional this format, a deck that's taken four of the top eight slots in an American regional. I know the formats are a little bit different, but and I agree with you, that's the funniest thing about it, is that they feel like tricks, even though they've put up results. I think Reggie's is a cute deck. I mean, I think there was a really good metagame for it, and that, that was exploited. Yes. Um, and I do think it is for some reason, kind of uniquely American to, to love it, because uh, none of the top players in Europe seem to really like it. No. Um, but I, I don't think... I just don't think anything really lines up with it being this insanely good deck. I think also after that event, when Gudra won, its play rate went way up, mm-hmm. which is just a horrendous matchup for Reggie that you can't really fix even. Um, you know, they, they tried to convince themselves that Yellhorn would be enough and it was obviously not. It's an auto win. No, no they, it was described as an auto win against Ice Q. I won't, I, no, I won't I go all go the way the on joke. the Gucci. Just an insane statement, by the way. Um, <laughs> just, holy shit, is that dumb? Hey, you know, <laughs> 50% of the time it's an auto win. Yeah, yeah something like that, man. Holy fuck. Uh, <laughs> such an out win. Yellhorn is not an auto win against anything. There are no situations unless a Pokemon physically said if it is confused, knock it out, that Yellhorn could be an auto win. Just let's get that out of the way. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh I'm looking forward to Warsaw. I think Warsaw is actually gonna be really interesting because I think that if nothing else, like I I I, I maybe you can speak to this, and this is obviously a Pokemon podcast, but in terms of other card games, I don't know if are is looking at like a European meta in other card games. Does that typically bear different fruit than what your the American meta game does? Not really, because um, in Pokemon there's usually a little bit of variance there. So, I mean, so uh, there's regional differences in the other games, and some of them based on you know card availability or like a, a serious playstyle difference. Um, one of the wilder ones, like a it, specifically older format Magic, like like vintage and legacy formats if you're familiar those are like expanded but more expanded even it's all of the cards i guess is that unlimited sure whatever it's not whatever. a real recognized format but yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. sure uh they are real formats like the yeah. specifically like the japanese format and that that has been historically very different um not always but there have been points in times where it was very different part of that could be card availability um european Yu-Gi-Oh is almost exactly the same um there's sometimes where they do have like a propensity towards certain types of decks like there are occasionally playstyle differences uh you'll see that a lot in japan for Yu-Gi-Oh too they just have a very different playstyle. yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not not Um, to be myopic i'm not acknowledging japan because they are typically quite different so i mean i think that's meant for this yeah yeah i mean i just regional differences aren't as big as i've noticed they are in pokemon is where i was going with that and I think, games, and I, I don't know what to attribute that to. Um, are testing like are like specific testing and testing groups and teams as big in, in other games? Because I know that that's a big thing here, and like like the limitless team typically all 
chooses a deck and they all play it. And then there's like the the one specific American team, and then yeah, the so, I mean, groups. So for, like for for Magic in particular, like the the testing groups are cross continental. They're they're international. That's there's the difference, no, right? No issue there at all. Um, recently. For Yu-Gi-Oh, a lot of the European players have been coming to all the events in the states. The you know really high-end European players, mm. so like they've they've been working together as well. Um, there's not really a we don't test with people from other regions thing, and even though it is like much more difficult on your time zone differences. So uh, I think it comes down to if you're a DJ and you're a DJ, and you'll find time at 4 a.m. your time to play with the guy in Australia at 4 p.m. his time. Yeah, I think it's uh, uh, like yes, obviously. I don't think I don't even think it's intentionally. Like close yeah, I mean, quarters, it's, it's really difficult based on timing. Like you know, I've yeah. Played, but what I mean is, I think that there's they're very teams are such a bigger thing in Pokemon. Like you know what I mean, whether it be sponsorship or whatever. I know that like like I mean, this dates back for years. Like and it was twenty years ago in, in Yu Gi Oh that teams were like as big as they were then. But yeah, so I think that that's part of it. And like because the European team has such a different not mindset, but like they just grab mm. like that European team loved Giratina last event. None of the American teams did, so right, like right. that. Like I think you could see some sort of like differentiation there. Like, well, you know, something interesting to take from that: the high-end European players played a lot of Giratina. The mm-hmm. high-end American players did not. Giratina was still the most played deck in both events. So, oh, like, I was more speaking to why Reggie Gigas might not see a ton of play over there. Yeah, no, I'm I, I'm understanding that part of your. My point is just like it's interesting because it doesn't seem to sway the. Uh, format as a whole either it's mm-hmm. just like a select small group of players that you're seeing sure. affected by it was like the overall metagame composition between the two events was basically identical um top cut looked completely different yeah but the the overall meta distribution was essentially the same so given all of this do you have any predictions that you want to make for like for the event, whether it be what's going to win, what's not going to top, what's going to top, anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I I think I think we're going to see a pretty standardized top cut. I think we're going to see. Well, now that I know Tord's playing Urshu, we'll see a Urshifu in top cut. We will see at least one very interesting deck in top cut. That dude could win with a starter deck. It's unreal. I don't understand. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I, I don't think we're going to see anything. I don't have a hot take for what's going to be in top cut. I, I'll take Palkintel to win the event. Um, I think people are going to be overprepared for Mew after last time. I'll take no Mews in top eight if that's a hot take, um, especially because I'm like the Mew guy. So, <laughs> uh, good. just Tina's so popular there, and Drapion will be back in the Tina list. That's like a extremely favored matchup for Tina at that point. Um, I, I've talked myself into it. I'm, I'm gonna. I guess I'll take my hot take. If you want to make a, a bold prediction too, I'll take one Orc Tina in top eight. Okay. Okay. Uh hmm. Well, you already kind of took what I wanted to say because you said Palkintel's going to win. I've been saying for weeks that I think Palkintel's the best deck in the format, and I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think it has a regional win to its name yet. I don't know that any of the high-end European players will necessarily play it, but if anyone's coming from Australia, I know Australia is typically big in Palkintel, and uh, like I, I think that deck's going to win. Um, let's, is it, is it, is it a hot take to say I don't think any Reggie decks will be in top 16, let alone top 8? I'll call that a hot take. I'd agree with it, but I'll call that a hot take. Like, I just... I think that deck is... Okay, if I'm going to be completely honest, I think that deck is better than we are acting and worse than what other people are acting. And I still think that that that's out to if all of the top... Like, I think that deck had such a high presence because you have Azul who tops... Top 32 is almost every event that he signs up for, right? Grant Manley, same thing. You have Drew Kennett who... 
is on a run with Reggie and has topped, I think, three or four regionals this year. So, like, I think that kind of skewed the perception on the deck. I think the deck is good. I think by good, it's probably still, like, the sixth or seventh best deck in the format. So, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, now that I know that Tord's not playing Lost Box, I wouldn't be surprised if there's no Lost Box in top eight either. Uh, no, I wouldn't be surprised at all by no Lost Box in top eight. And that <clears throat> is... I mean, it, the the matchups seem to, to bear it out. It just has too many really, really bad matchups. It has some really, really good matchups too, but it, it's got too many terrible matchups to consistently be in top cut of tournaments. Um, unless people seem find a way to kind of maneuver around those, or you also can just dodge them. I mean, you know, tournaments are at the end of the day highly variant. So we'll uh, we'll see because it's totally possible that something like that makes top cut. Um, I also don't think that like anyone's going to show up with any of the creative Lost Box decks. I don't think we're going to see the Kyogre deck there. <laughs> no, the Kyogre, uh, the, the Reshi Ram, um, the Amazing yeah, Reshi yeah. Ram. Like, I, I think that all of those are more like, I played this online and I'm never going to bring it in person because yeah, I, yeah. I paid a lot of money to enter this tournament. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think looking back on the format, it is a shame there weren't... It felt like a really short format. I don't know if you... Was there a sh- shorter gap between Lost yeah. Origin and Silver Tempest? There yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, Lost Origin came out late, right? I'm not. Yeah, they pushed back the release that. so that it wasn't like legal at Worlds. So yeah. instead of getting like a three month season, we really got it like a two in a week. So okay, it felt extremely fast, and like there were was kind of a lack of tournaments for it because like I think if there is more time, uh, especially because as you said, the format's inching towards feeling solved. We would have started seeing people show up with some of those, like the the Reshiram deck or some of these other things, just because like they've had their fill of these decks, and also they've found the point where they need to start playing a different angle because the the format's like too close to quote unquote solved and there's not really any maneuvering you can do at that point in you know regular lost box or in regular giratina well yeah so for for example i think the first weekend things were legal was was baltimore no baltimore wasn't even lost origin nope, right? baltimore wasn't lost origin so you're looking baltimore at... was the week before yeah so there's been four events yeah, it's, it's been Peoria, Salt Lake City, Lille, and then, I mean, if you want to include the things in Malaysia and Indonesia. I so wasn't like, counting those just because we don't have any interaction with their... Uh... Well, and their formats are also, like, single mm-hmm. best of one. So, like, but that's what I mean. So, if, if you don't include those, there's It's a four-tournament format? Well, four after this weekend, the, the last yeah. week of the format, yeah. Yeah, and nothing in Latin America, nothing in Oceania. Like, it's a very weird i think if i think if people really like this format if a lot of and i i think a lot of people did not like this format obviously from uh what we've heard from other people but i i think if there's anybody who really dug it this is going to be a format that they look back on as kind of a not to like make a pun on accident like a lost format you know it was kind of missed it was in the middle it was after worlds where there was kind of a dead zone and then uh, the week the set comes out it's or like the set is legal the week after a regional that it really would have been better off being legal for. It would have been mm-hmm. better if it was, you know, legal for uh, Baltimore. And that also led to a bad experience for Baltimore overall because nobody really cared about that regional anymore. It's, you know, it, it's really been kind of a shame, but I can understand why they didn't want to do the uh, new set release right for Worlds thing. But I, I don't feel like we really got enough time with the format, honestly. I, I felt like I was kind of still working my way through playing all of the decks enough. <laughs> But yeah, like to your point, I think that like we're seeing even in recent weeks, right, that like Eternus is starting to pop up again, which is mm. bizarre. Uh, you're seeing Vikavolt 
take low key spots in like online tournaments, but not actually yeah, like, sure. really peak. I think that this format with more time or like, and this is obviously turning it completely on its head, but if they had done rotation now, as opposed to in January, like I think what, and this is kind of what we were saying about lost origin earlier, but it also kind of helps like preview what's going on with Warsaw is that this format was really interesting. And I, I said it was solved in the sense that I think we know what the best decks are. It's not solved in the sense that I think we know what the best lists are. And obviously like, the lost box deck is a term that allows a lot of ambiguity. And I think that that's kind of what that deck is, right? Is that, and it's what we're seeing when we're looking at Lugulus. And for some reason they got it to, got to it much faster in terms of their tournament success than we did in America. And maybe that's because there's like 40 person tournaments and, and like, because you're, you get all the local results, right? But I think that there is room for ingenuity, whether it be Palkia, like, like, so like you see Palkia Intel have even like, the more Eastern version with like the rare candies and that kind of stuff, or the more Western version that is just like the three, three line, the Isaiah Bradner line of, of no quick shooting, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see, well, and then you have the VIP pass versus playing full sets of quick balls and capture energies. Yeah. And you know, the, even the small things like, do you play Crabominable? Do you play an extra energy accelerator? If you want to go for like a double Greninja attack, do you play Raihan? Do you play, yeah, there's, you know, do you play Leon? How do you eke out extra damage? Uh, Palkintel, I think we talked about this before, is really interesting because of Irida and Shady Dealings giving you so much access that three, three slots, three trainers changed in the deck can completely change the complexion of some matchups or you know, three trainers and a Pokemon, even if it's something as simple that's, or something that's heavily searchable. So like, if, if you don't subscribe to any of those cores being completely correct, so like you're willing to debatably go one VIP pass and more searchers, or you're, you can jump between quick shooting and rare candy or no, there's like probably seven or eight slots that are open in that deck. And each one of them, each single slot in a deck like that can completely flip matchups since you have so much access. So, like, that deck's never really solved. Yeah, there's not been... There's not been a deck in any card game I've honestly played ever other than something like this because it has so much accessibility to it that has made me realize how much one single card inclusion can change things. And like, I've always known that that's the case, but I feel like this, more than anything else, hammers that home because it's like... Because you... Like it's 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 not like well may, I hope I draw my tech or I hope I find a way to you're getting there if you, you want you it. have your tech yeah, yeah your tech is there like if if you want it you have it make uh, make the best use of it yeah and that's why like, that's why I love the deck that's why I think it's the best deck in the format because I don't think anything else really has that that it can claim and then the game where there is a little bit of variance whether it be because of prizing or, or something like that having access to whatever you want at all times. It's just like, like think about what I just said. Like th- th- that's just an absurd thing. And I think that that makes the deck very strong. So um, yeah, just like even like scrolling back through the results, I really, I think this format's great. And I, I hope that Warsaw gives it the send off that it deserves. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, I do wish that we would have had the time for the format to uh, organically adapt around some of these things and make the, the natural changes over time. Uh, it's, it is a shame that we didn't get to see all of that the way we would have really liked to, but you know, ultimately it has been a really fun format. There's a lot of decks. So if you like wide formats there, the format has been wide. We've seen, you know, a bunch of different decks monopolize top cuts. We've seen a bunch of different decks go deep in tournaments. Uh, really it's, there's been something for everybody, man. 
so I'm going to hit you with a little bit of a rapid fire, but I I, I think this will be fun. I think in term I'm going to throw out a couple of decks that have been mostly rogue for this format, but have seen like spike a top eight here and there throughout. Do you, and I'm just going to say yes or no. Do you think this deck makes day two at this event? I understand that that's pretty wide open. So I mean, does it make the top twenty percent of the field? Sure. Blissey. Yes. E turn. Uh, oh, Dialga. I don't think anyone in Europe's into that deck now. Shadow Rider. Mm. No. Duraladon. Yes. Control, not Sander. That's not fair. Will anyone well, that, else be playing Control? <laughs> I don't. Oh, that's what I mean. I don't know. So. I'll take yes. It, it day twoed Lil without Sander even being there. I'll take yes. Okay, I think that that and like that's kind of what's really cool, right? Is that we're saying like obviously, if you're extremely competitive, you care about what top eights or top sixteens or whatever like that. But the fact that we're talking about like these decks that are probably like outside of the top ten for us in this format that have a chance to make day two, I think watching the stream this weekend is going to be a lot of fun. Obviously, if you're in America, the time zone could be a little bit wonky. I know a bunch of American players are going over. Um, so I. Hammerhome, we both picked Palkia to win the event, right? Yeah, definitely taking Palkia to win the event. Um, do you want to... How many year teams do you think, top eight? So are we combining regular and, and arc? Uh, how many lost zone year teams do you think, top eight? Two. Two? Yeah, that seems like a pretty conservative guess. Well, I'm also bigger on... like. So if I think I think there'll be two or three palks because like I I think that deck's just broken. I think Tord's gonna top with Urshifu. Like like all jokes yeah. aside, like yeah, I obviously I, like you, you, yes, and then Sanders and top eight with control, obviously. So like, there's only there's only six spots available. Like th- th- it's a common joke. Whatever. Like I remember making this joke every time I'd go to a Yu Gi Oh event and you'd see somebody there like that was a name player. It's like, well, we're all playing for seven places. Honestly, anytime Sander and walk into the room like i feel like you're playing for six places and like yeah, if, yeah. if if robin schultz and his team are on tina i think at least two of them will top so maybe like if i'm being realistic i think like two to three palk two to three tina and Torden sander so <laughs> like yeah yeah no i i understand i i already made the bold claim that a, an artsiest tina is gonna top so i can't take any more than uh than two lasso tinas in good faith but uh, I I agree. I think I think at least two copies will be in top eight. I think uh, it's going to be by far the most played deck. Um, let's see any anything else that I want to. I think uh, we're going to see Palkirums be way overplayed and way underperformed. I think it's getting zero top eights this time. I would be surprised if that is the second most played deck and it is like bottom of like the top ten in terms of conversion. I I don't think that deck's like like I've been actually playing that deck more than anything online over the last week because I was like, well, I have to figure this out because why is everyone else on this? Not even everyone else, but why is it so highly played and I just Mm -hmm. don't see it. You know, I hadn't realized until I looked at the numbers, it's still the second most played deck online. Yeah, it's played a ton and uh, I played it for a week and when it works, it's really fun. I, I do get the allure. I could not, like, I mean, I'd be more likely to sign up with God, like I have played zero games with Mew. I'd sign up with Mew first. I like I, I'd sign up with the control deck first, and I texted you in the middle of the week and said I thought that deck was terrible. So like I just I, it's not for me. I, I maybe I'm crazy, and maybe it's just a, a personal like personal preference or what have you. I, I don't think that deck's very good. I think that it just does a worse job of what either Zoroark or Giratina or Palkia because like I don't think you compare it to a Palkia deck. I think you compare it to the one shot decks. And if I'm going to one shot, I'd rather play Zoro or. 
Yeah, so you start comparing Fortino. it to three prize decks. You can compare yeah. it to Moo. You start comparing it to two prize decks. You know, if you're just trying to attack for mm-hmm. damage, compared to Zoro, or if you're trying to, you can make the, I guess, Irida Melanie comparison and compare it to Palkia. But I don't think it. Yeah, it's it's a Kieran deck. It's not a Palkia deck. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why anytime I'm like talking about them, I'm talking about them as Palkia and Kyurem. Even though the Kyurem deck does play a heavy Palkia line, typically like two, at least two, like. That's Kyurem to me. It's not a Palkia deck. Yeah, it's, it's so, a Kyurem deck. You're right. You're right. So, um, um, yeah, I don't think that deck's going to do very well. I wouldn't, like, I, I think that, like, I, and I think that's where the biggest difference between us, like, us as in the U.S. and, and Europe is that if you told me there was no Reggie and no Kyurem in a top 16 in an American regional, I'd be stunned. I don't think there will be either in the top 16 over in Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I think that makes a lot of sense just from what we've seen. Um, but again, if it, for little, Kiram is still the second most played deck in the room. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. The conversion rate's just not very good. So I, I think that's probably right. I would definitely take zero top eights for it. Um, I don't know. I, I don't have any more thoughts on the format, really. I'm, I'm bummed to see it go. I'm excited to see Silver Tempest come. Also excited to see it come. Uh, in terms of the only other news that we didn't really touch on, so like there's a million alternate arts that have been revealed for uh, the Crown Zenith set. That set's going to be insane. Whether like in terms of like uh, like obviously there's, I think we're going to get like a couple new cards. They said, but the first Radiant they revealed was just a reprint of Charizard. It looks awesome. I'm excited to see what Radiant Charger Bug does. And I, they were they told us we were getting another Radiant. What was that? I forget what it was. I did see this. I'm bringing it up now. Let me see. Eternatus, which yeah. is interesting. So we all, we're also getting the Zamazentization V-Star. Obviously, we'll talk about Crown Zenith closer to when we get the set, knowing that we're going to get, like, I, I thought it was cool as they mentioned that we're going to get alternate 70 special artwork cards. So we don't have all of those yet, obviously, especially because they mentioned Dark Revy start getting a, a, a special artwork, which, while the card is essentially flopped over here, Dark Revy is a fan favorite Pokemon. That card is probably going to look sick. It's going to look unreal. And, like, that's the thing, right, is that even with some of these cards, like, I didn't even know what the Absol did. I still, like, I had someone read the Altaria to me yesterday, and I still don't know what it does. Yeah, I didn't realize that it wasn't the uh, supporter one. No, it's a new one. It's the one, I think it's in this new set. And um, it doesn't matter. They haven't missed. Every single one of these artworks. They're, they're just gorgeous. They're gorgeous. And I'm, like, um, I obviously have the collector brain more than you do, but... It, like everything's a home run, and like they revealed Bibarel, and I'm like, I don't even like Bibarel decks, but I'm probably gonna play it because look at that Bibarel. Yeah, it just looks insane, right? Like you have to. <laughs> I remember m- laughing at people last format playing Lucario V Star at like Worlds and stuff. If we had had this Lucario V Star, you probably could have tried to convince me into it because that card looks insane. Uh, I'm, I think what I'm most excited about, while this is still technically Sword and Shield block, you can tell that they're going in a different direction art wise. Yeah, and. uh I'm hype. Like that, that, I love the sword shield block in the terms of what they've done for golds and alternate arts and all that stuff. And I was, whenever they were switching the mechanics and switching the block, I was kind of a little bit nervous that that may change. And that the fact that we're seeing that they're not, and they're just coming out of the gates swinging as a, as a nerd who loves Pokemon art, I'm just like, let, let's get all of this happening. And um, the only other news was that we are getting local leagues for play Pokemon prizes again, for like uh league and league cups and league challenges so 
I'm excited that they're bringing promos back. I don't know if you heard anything that I said. Yeah, I, I disconnected. Um, I'm back, but uh, I you just mentioned that they're bringing promos back, which is what I was going to say. I'm also yeah. pretty hyped to have the uh, organized play packs coming back. That seems like they're going to be really cool. Looks like they're going to jam a lot of sick cards in there. So ah. that'll be really exciting. Yeah, like so. The, so for anyone that did not see it yet, the cards that they confirmed, they said that each prize pack contains six cards taken from a card of about 200 pull uh we're getting that this like for this set so take what i'm about to say with a grain of salt right they may they may do some they may just like give it to us and then immediately rotate but some of these cards they're giving us are supposed to rotate in december or in sorry january specifically scoop up that yep Will they extend the legality? Because the ones we got confirmed so far were Charizard VMAX, Rayquaza VMAX, Pikachu VMAX, which, if nothing else, will be money in terms of collector value. Charizard Charizard VMAX has already been crazy expensive. I assume Pikachu VMAX is very similar. Um, Scoop of Net and Path to the Peak will get hollow versions, which is pretty cool. Uh, and then Guru, Guru and Snorlax, which they did not specify which Snorlax, will get non-hollow variants. Sure. And we're gonna we're gonna get new uh, foil basic energies. That's the one I was just gonna plug. The more foil energies is always cool. Um, it's always fun to try to find whatever your drip on your energies is. So that's always a nice addition. Uh, I mean, it's interesting because the two hundred card pack is is big, right? So hopefully it's it's full of goodies. So like, it's always nice, especially for uh, younger players who don't have like a insane collection, or even like just people who like play Pokemon but don't just get everything. Um, when they get their packs for playing in a tournament, for them to just actually be good cards that can help them make their decks better, like that's always nice. The idea that like you keep playing and eventually your deck gets better, yeah. Um, versus like you play, you get slammed, and it's like, well, I have lost money and have not improved my cards. I hope that I am magically getting better. <laughs> yeah, I, it's incentive to go to tournaments. It's, it's incentive for locals to build up their mm-hmm. local scene. Mm-hmm. It's interesting in the sense that we really did not, other than like an entry promo, which was typically just supporter of the set with a stamp on it. Yep. It's interesting that we're going to get like some something for League Cups and Challenges. It's interesting that we're they're talking about bringing League Cups and Challenges back because while we kind of got it floated, we have not got it confirmed when that's happening. Excited for those to come back so we can actually have some more competitive local scene tournaments. All in all, I think it was just really good news, and I'm excited to see where we're going. I think we're going in the right direction. Yeah, I agree. And I think it in-person play and local events, I mean, you know, I know there's still concerns for some people. And obviously, if you, you have to do what's right for you. But uh, I think most people are ready to get back to in-person, you know, smaller local events like that. So I think it'll be great to have the ability to, you know, even if you aren't on the world's grind, uh, play in some more competitive-minded tournaments locally. Uh, so it'll be great to have Cups and Challenges back when we finally do get those back into the rotation. Sure, um, sure. And just to touch on your earlier point, I don't think that they'll just with the way they've done the the stamps now for the regulations, I don't think this will have any impact on legality. Um, I don't think it's not to say that they won't reprint scoop up that, uh, which is the one card. I think that they revealed that this would apply to maybe the Charizard VMAX would rotate to about a hundred percent. Sure. I think all. Yeah. I f- think both Charizard and Pikachu do Pikachu's seen literally zero play Charizard. I was thinking the Pikachu was newer because the uh, black printing was in Lost Origin. That makes sense as well. I guess it was probably, it was in Vivid Voltage, right? Correct. So that makes sense. While we're, so we're not actually, not that it matters, not that anyone's fact-checking us, but I'm looking them up as we are talking. 
Yeah, Pikachu has a D marker, and let's see, Charizard. Also a D marker. Okay. No, am I blind? Yes, it's a that's a D marker. Okay, so it's it's interesting, right? I think that those cards are specifically put in there in the sense that even if they rotate, they are like even Rayquaza. Like I don't think Rayquaza is on the same level as Pikachu and Mewtwo and Charizard is in terms of collector cards. It's also not high, far high off. end of uh, fan favorites, though for sure. Yeah, so I think that even if those cards rotate, like you're getting them because they are popular Pokemon, and then like. You can do what you want with the rest. Well, I, I don't I think, think they made it clear how often they're going to update the pack, did they? Oh, they did, actually. Oh, did I so, miss that? that yeah, yeah, so they said that you can expect it every three months. So they said this one's now, the next one is in February, then May, then August, then November. So... Mm, every six months. Oh, is it every six? Okay, then it's February and August? February, August, yeah. So when did... Is this one? We'll have a limited duration... Oh, no, sorry. Every six months, starting in February. So if they're giving us this theoretically after rotation, it would be one thing to give us, like, the the Charizard and the Pikachu. Giving us scoop-up net at that point? Yeah, yeah. That's a little cheesy. Also, Guru, which... When they say exclusive powerhouse that we've seen in play right now, the Guru rotates. Yeah, it's, it's actually a resource management reprint with the new regulation block on it. I need new pants. Obviously, that'll be sick. I'm glad that we could have this conversation and get excited for our card that is definitely getting printed. <laughs> like, just the thought of it, I'm just like... You know how, obviously, other than the fact that it would be completely absurd, you know how I know that's not it? Because they specified... Is a fan favorite? <laughs> that, no. They said that this is a non-foil version of a card that was previously foil, and for whatever reason, when they gave us resource management, the best card in the entire gen yeah, of no, cards, no it cool was printings. non-foil. They love making gold and rainbow orange gurus. They hate resource management. Which is weird because that card was the best card. True. True. Uh, well, we've gone off the rails more than I would expect. That's kind of <laughs> what happens when we start talking about orange guru. Uh, anything else before we get out of here for this week? Uh, no, no thoughts at all. My brain is empty and I'm excited to play Lugia next week and hopefully not tilt. Yeah, like I said, guys, next week when we come back, we will be doing more of a deep dive into Lugia. We'll recap... Uh, Warsaw as well. But yeah, talk about Warsaw, deep dive on uh, our Silver Tempest experiences so far, which will basically all be Lugia related and uh it should be a good time. I think what's really funny is that just the appeal behind the curtain for anyone who's listening is that you are specifically on like Amazing Lugia is probably it. That's what like that's the version I'm gonna test. I'm not gonna really like from just talking, it seems like you're not really gonna I don't want to say humor, but like really considering the other options, and I'm just like, okay, cool. I'm I'm already cooking in which Vmaxes I can fit in here and try to do some more nonsense. And I'm not even usually a casual player, but I think that there's like avenues there to kind of like augment some of the weaknesses that we've talked about. Yeah, I mean, I think the problem is that uh, anytime you're doing that, you're putting more evolutions into your deck, which That's are true. functional bricks a lot of the time. And I think the deck has an engine problem, mm-hmm. um, which like. I guess, yeah, sure, we'll we'll do this now since I've started talking about it already. Uh, the The problem with Lugia, from my perspective, is that the deck doesn't function the way that like a a really great deck does. So, like when you play a deck like Palkintel or a deck like Mew or even to an extent uh, Arceus, the cards all make your deck function. Lugia is the broken card in your deck, but it doesn't actually make your deck function, right? So you're you're trying to combine the combo of getting these Archeops into your graveyard. 
with having your Lugia, with not being Path, and while simultaneously juggling the need to have just a metric shit ton of energies in your deck so you can pull them out. And there's just like a, a fundamental deck building issue that this deck presents. I think it's going to be really fun to try to solve it. But anytime you get too cute and start putting, you know, these thick evolution lines in it, like the only one I've liked so far is like the one, one flying peak line as that's, an idea. That's astounding. Well, it's a free retreat also in your deck of zero switches. <laughs> for now. Yeah. Uh, for now. Yeah. 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 I just, yeah. I, so, like, the issue is that, like, you you need all of these cards, though, which leaves, leaves so little space for consistency, but your payoff is so good, and in balancing that is uh, a really fun challenge, actually, but, like, there, there's a good reason that I'm I'm not super interested in any of the, the cute stuff you can do with it, even though I, I'm excited by the possibility. It's just, like, there's just not room in that deck. Maybe room's not the right word, but like I just can't imagine cutting any of the the cards that make me more consistent for those when I already feel like the deck is too inconsistent. I, I hear you, and then I'm like, but Gengar though. Yeah, Gengar is really cool. I don't even think that's the best one of the ones I'm going to suggest. I haven't even told you the one I want to suggest. We will save that for next week because otherwise, you yeah, know, we'll sit, sit here all night. We'll be, exactly. Yes, yes. And then next week we'll have nothing to talk about, but uh, we'll have plenty to talk about next week. I'm not worried about it, but yeah, so I I'm good. Let's uh, let's sign this bad boy off. Yeah, absolutely. For anyone who's paid attention for this long or at any point, uh, definitely go. Uh, we are on all podcast platforms. So go like subscribe, rate review, uh, follow me at polytoad hoops. I think that's it at this point. I think I deleted the other letters at the end on Twitter for now. Twitter might die one day, so you'll probably be able to find me somewhere else. Yeah, and until Papa Musk ruins it, you can follow me on there at dkeener11 as well. Look at that. The plug for dkeener. Yeah, let's uh, do it. <laughs> and we'll uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks, guys.